0: Hi everybody, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week we have Bob Lament coming to our show, and he has produced almost 1,500, that's 1,500 shows. He's guested on more than 25 other shows, and he's been a pioneer of online media. He co-hosts StaticRadio.com, and he was one of the first 50 podcasts on Adam Curry's original list of podcasts. You guys may know him as the Podfather. That's what I call him. Um, at the beginning of the name he coined, uh, he has also been interviewed by traditional media outlets for many years in the U.S. and abroad about producing media for the internet. Um, and so we're going to talk about life and death and podcasting and all sorts of other fun stuff. Bob, how's it going?
1: How's was going great. Yeah, the life and death and podcasting. There you go. <laughs> Maybe. A- and maybe a book coming out soon. Who knows?
0: Seriously. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. You're born, you do podcasts, and you die, right? That's all there is to do here on
1: Earth. <laughs> there you go. Um,
0: it's an arc. <laughs> we have uh, three standard questions we ask every guest at the top of the show, which is just uh, how old are you, where did you grow up, and what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of?
1: Oh, boy. That's, those are all tough questions. <laughs> I'm guessing you want me to answer truthfully to each <laughs> one, so... Uh, I am 56 years old. Uh, I grew up in central Illinois or Illinois, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, in your neck of the woods. And uh, they say I'm Generation X. Um, I don't know. I don't really follow a lot of that. So. Yeah,
0: that's a common answer on this podcast. And it's not a common answer with people I ask in real life. And I'm noticing it as we really? hit. Yeah, I think you're going to be episode like and. 48 or something like that and it's just weird i'm noticing that people on this podcast tend to say you know i don't really pay attention to generations but like you know the media is cramming it into everyone's minds all the time and they're always trying to in my opinion separate yeah. us so but the purpose of the question is actually yeah. to just show people how silly it is to uh typecast anyone by age for any reason so
1: oh yeah i th- i think that that is um The the odd thing, you know, talking just about age and and generation and so forth, the odd thing is that uh, I grew up uh, with computers, uh, with, you know, the emergence of computers, right? So I was one of the first, uh, you know, my uh, grade was one of the first ones in my area to have computers in the classroom, Mm -hmm. and I took to it, right? But most of my peers did not, so... Even at my age, um, there's definite divide between the people who are, you know, kind of involved in things that deal with, you know, technology and people who don't want to have anything to do with technology. And it's a pretty big split, really, oddly enough. Um, my co-host, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. is very non-technical. I'm the technical person and I help, uh, you know, make everything happen. And then he, he probably doesn't even have a clue. <laughs> about it. In fact, I know he doesn't have a clue about it. Um, he says he does, but I, the reality is if, if uh, he wasn't getting help, it wouldn't happen. So, you know, and we are, he's actually like a year or so younger than I am, mm-hmm. but there's this weird divide. And then you talk about generations and so forth, the same, same kind of situation. So, you know, um, I was part, uh, I would have been the geeky person, right? Mm-hmm. A nerd, the geek who liked this kind of stuff. And not, you know, now it's kind of flipped a little bit. People who have technical savvy are, are cooler these days than they ever have been. Um, and I have kids and my kids are, you know, at like college age. And um, one of them not interested in technology, uses it, knows how to use it, doesn't really know how it works. Uh, and the other one's a little bit more interested in how it works. And, and uh, I find that. After all these years, I'm like, why? how How could you not want to know how it works? <laughs> That's always my thing. I'm like, how, you, you're you surrounded by it, yeah. right? Yeah. And you don't care how it works. You just want it to work. And then whenever things go wrong, they're like, you know, dad, fix this.
0: Yeah. And, and I, um, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, one of the thoughts I have is like, you know, the term Luddite, which I run into a lot, is a person who doesn't use and or hates technology and I find it weird that mm-hmm. people associate technology with things that I don't find technological. So I'll, the best example I can give you is I am just like you. I have an early adapter of everything, loved technology as a kid. I used to take apart computers and rebuild them. Um, I wasn't classified as a nerd in that regard by my peers just because I like did it at home and it didn't ever come up in school. And I didn't love like software and computer programming. So I like, like the hardware side of things more. But then today... I, I really don't like social media. It just doesn't engage me and it doesn't keep me happy and I, I get bored on it. So when I tell people I don't like social mm-hmm. media, they're like, oh, you don't like technology. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. I have like two phones. I have three computers. I have all sorts of electronics at my house. Um, I just don't like this like part of the internet. Meanwhile, the internet's the greatest invention of my lifetime. So um, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. As, as someone who – yeah. I mean, undeniably. And radio was my favorite thing as a kid to listen to. I love TV. Don't get me wrong, but I loved listening to radio. I still just love podcasts. I listen to podcasts obsessively, like to, to, um, the chagrin of my wife. And, uh, so I'm curious, um, out <laughs> Curry, I never listened to him as a host, but I, every time he's on Joe Rogan, I like jump with joy. I just love hearing interviews with him. Um, so I'm curious how,
1: yeah.
0: how, how has he affected your life? Do you, have you ever met him in person? Do you, do you know of him or know him?
1: Uh, I don't know him personally. I obviously know of him. Um, I listened to, so before podcasting became a word, Mm -hmm. um, I listened to Curry. He was doing a thing called the Daily Source Code way back when. This would be probably around 2003. And um, at at that time, uh, uh, my partner Miles and I, we'd already been recording our show for five years, right? So uh, I guess four years, four years. And I was, like, listening to Curry, and then he started talking about what became podcasting. And So I have, in the past, uh, way back then, uh, I emailed him because he was very accessible at that point in time. <laughs> uh, now probably not so much. Uh, and so I emailed him, and I'm, I'm like, this is really curious, what, you know, what you're doing and, and what do you do and so forth. And he, he did email me back during those days. And so then I got more and more interested in it because much like yourself, I was interested in what at that time was terrestrial radio is what everybody calls it now, but, uh, and loved uh, radio and, and Miles and I actually did college radio together. Uh, and that's where the whole show idea came from was we went to college together. Um, we did a show in college together, which was not too far off from what we, uh, still do. And as all this was uh, kind of happening, um, I said, do you want to do a show still? And I have a way to do it. And um, and that's what became our show, which was basically um, a spinoff from College Radio, minus the music, because when we started in 1999, Napster was kind of a big thing, and people were getting sued left and right, and <laughs> grandmas were getting sued, and... And I didn't want to get sued. And so I said, well, we'll just do what we used to do minus the music. And and that's what happened. And as years went on, uh, uh, I encountered Curry and his uh, daily source code stuff and um, was able then to get um, RSS used to be done manually. And so you'd code your RSS. And so I, I coded RSS. And, and that's how we kind of got in that position where he used to have a list of um, podcasts because it was just starting out and, and we happened to get on that list. And um, a story I love to tell about this is, and I don't think most people know this, although I think I have heard him say this in the interview, uh, Adam Curry, is um, that iTunes predominantly was Adam Curry's list when it was launched. Wow. So we were on iTunes uh, at the beginning um, I've been off iTunes and back on iTunes a couple of times since then. But we were on it at the very beginning. Uh, I got an email from a person who was listening, uh, who I think still listens to this day. But, um, and he goes, you know, you're on iTunes. And it, I said, I didn't know we were on iTunes. We are on the podcasting area of iTunes. And sure enough, I went and looked at it. And, and I would say, other than the PBS stuff, most everything else that was on there was on Adam Curry's list. um which was really interesting so they kind of wholesale hijacked his rss feed of all these things that he had been gathering and then um and then put it on the itunes uh which was kind of fun and it's a good story uh, yeah i
0: know nowadays (laughs) (laughs) yeah and what what a kind of uh i'd love to talk about podcasting for a little bit before we get into the metaphysical stuff so i'll continue on this uh, this avenue if you don't mind and uh so I love, like I said, I love podcasting, but I'm not a big fan of social media. I'm not asking you to agree with me, but I am curious. Do you see a difference between the two? Does podcasting remind you more of terrestrial radio or more of social media? Like where do you kind of see it?
1: Um, I, I, For me, at least I'm in your bandwagon. So I, I really liked social media initially mm-hmm. and was very um, involved in its I think that social media has devolved uh, itself uh, from what it was supposed to be at the beginning. And so, you know, really, it's just a tool at this point, uh, the way I look at it. It's a tool to put things out because people are scattered, right? And so you can't, there is no one avenue to reach everyone uh, anymore. And in order to reach the larger groups of people you have to be on social media. So it's gone from being something that I thought was really, uh, kind of a democratization of ideas, uh, into being basically a way that you can reach people, uh, in on mass, uh, that you have to do almost, uh, it's a chore, uh, now it used to be kind of fun, but it's a chore now, now, as far as, um, Podcasting goes uh, again. It, this was a, a, a I think it still is because you're not talking about the numbers uh, that you have in social media. So mm-hmm. people who are doing podcasts who, who are doing them with any regularity and so forth is not in the millions, right? Um, it's still in the, the hundreds of thousands. Uh, and I, you know, I've heard numbers from 100,000 uh, regularly produced piece, you know, shows to 300,000. And it's hard to, to know, you know, where it's at in there because uh, a lot of people don't do anything with any regularity. So they'll be like, you know, today I'm going to do a podcast and then, you know, 10 shows later, it's nothing. So um, it, so as far as regular, regularly produced kind of things, I think um, that we haven't gotten to the level of, uh, of social media, so therefore it still has that kind of, you know, uh, underground feel to it a little bit. Um, you know, um, way back when it was a, like a real underground feel to it, but uh, now it still has a little bit of that cachet, um, even though we're kind of been, um, you know, yourself and myself and, and so forth, we're not like known uh, quantities, you know, in the world beyond what we're doing more than likely, you know what I mean? So you're not, you didn't have a TV show or you're not a, a traveling comic who goes all over the place and then and, and does a show as well. Uh, and I think those are really the, to me, those are always the better uh, end of that because it really gives a voice to the, you know, the every person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. you have an interest, you're, you're following that interest and it, it comes through in what you're producing. As opposed to being, you know, uh, something that's overly commercial or, you know, just basically uh, another way to, for you to promote something else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what you're doing, you know, and this is what you want to do. Um, and so I think that we're still in that phase. So hopefully I, 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 it's still, you know, something that's that's fairly underground and, and has its roots kind of as a grassroots uh Uh, situation. And I don't begrudge the the celebrities who are doing it Mm -hmm. uh, yet. Totally. (laughs) Maybe I should say totally. Um, But it seems like most of those ventures are, are ventures of marketing as opposed to ventures of something that they're really, really interested in, Um, you know, or or maybe it's just an outlet for them. Uh, I, I would say, and I haven't listened to a lot of them, but uh, Dana Carvey and David Spade do a thing called mm-hmm. fly on the wall. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's, it's very, you know, obviously they're two celebrities, but they're not two celebrities who are at the height of their, <laughs> of their fame. They're two celebrities kind of at the other end of their fame. And so I think for them, it's a way to to still do some things and, and tell some stories and, and uh, you know, talk to people and, and, Still be interesting in a way, whereas I think some folks are, you know, like um, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, but I, I, there's been a bunch of advertising. I, I don't want to necessarily be part of that, but for a thing called AMP, which is Amazon's uh, version of radio oh, okay. on the internet. I, I, didn't
0: know about I don't that. know if you've
1: saw any of that. It, that's truly a, a marketing slash, you know, commercial kind of thing. And, um, I'm not so much interested in that, you know? So. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, what do you think in the larger picture? Cause now I'm going to kind of segue this into like spirituality and all that. I, you normally ask my guests, how were you raised? What were you raised and all that, but let, let's keep it on this side mm-hmm. of it. And then I'll move that way if, if it seems like we should. But, um, sure. do you think given like culture and just like how things are going, do you think like this underground movement, the fact that like, you know, I have a voice and I have a much more limited audience than like. Mark Marin, but I still have an audience I would not have had in the pre-terrestrial radio era, um, and likewise you know, with your following however large or small you consider it to be, but my point being, do you think that this is like helping culture, or do you think instead we're all actually like getting isolated into our little echo chambers?
1: Well, it, it, that's a good question, because I think if you look at social media as an example, a lot of people uh, you know, they think that they're reaching a larger space, but really it becomes uh, a smaller circle mm-hmm. um, for ideology and so forth. so far, I think for podcasting, it's not quite like that. I think it still is a larger thing because it's 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 easier to pro- produce things now than it ever has been, but it's still not it's still not so easy that everybody can do it mm. whereas anybody can type in uh you know. To Twitter or uh, whatever one you want to use Facebook Twitter mm-hmm. uh, Instagram what have you <laughs> they can type in or forward you know a meme right mm-hmm. um, to actually produce something takes a little bit more all uh, a little bit more to do say things that like, you and I have been going back and forth you know we're, we're trying to nail down times you know you're trying to get all this gathered together which you know logistics, I don't know if anybody else uh, has to deal with the logistics in their everyday life. It's tough to be, <laughs> it's tough to do logistics of any kind mm-hmm. um, because there's so many variables that you're dealing with. Um, and, uh, and so that I think makes it a little bit better than just your average, you know, Hey, did you see grumpy cat? <laughs> I'm going to send you the latest grumpy cat. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, I don't want to sound mean to people who do that because they do enjoy it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not the same. It's not the same kind of uh, uh, drive to do something like that as it is to, you know, people do that in line. They're waiting for their coffee and they're like, I'm passing off all these memes and everything. You know, Mm. my mother, who's over 80 years old, sends me junk that I don't (laughs) want all the time, you know? And so it's not like, it's not like it takes a great deal of uh, creativity to do stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So th- first of all, great answer. And thank you. That was awesome. And uh, I'm glad you actually <laughs> brought your mother in because I did want to make an age related comment in a positive way, which is um, I just turned 42 and I'm middle aged but I don't consider this the middle of my life because optimistically speaking with healthcare and everything the way it is, we all have a life expectancy now that should be approaching over a hundred if you were born like after a certain date and you're in that group. And so am mm. I. Meanwhile, uh, your kids yeah. and my kids, their number is probably much higher. So um, just to be clear to people listening, right. but um, yeah, the, you know,
1: oh no, I, I I think that's changed over time. Whenever I was uh, um, you know, young and my parents were in their forties, they were ancient. Yeah, yeah. And now you know that's really not the case anymore, especially if you um, you know, if, as long as you don't stick your head in the sand or something. I think we're also lucky that uh, smoking and drinking and, and so forth is not in vogue as much. Mm-hmm. And it probably has really helped us live
0: longer. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> we're not sitting here smoking uh, 100 cigarettes a day or something. So. I,
0: I was just talking to a friend about that. How? Uh, well, first of all, it's strange to see marijuana become legal in my lifetime because I grew up in the Bay Area, so it was like never legal there, but it was like wink, wink legal. Right. And so <laughs> I remember like moving around the country and having people like, you do drugs? And I'm like, well, no, but... I understand what like your D.A.R.E. program told you, but I'm not trying to talk about marijuana so much as the replacement of alcohol with marijuana has been mind-blowing to me. Have you seen that where you live? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, and to be honest with you, I'm older than you, and marijuana has never been uh, non-existent. Mm-hmm. It's always been illegal, and it's always been there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, it's just, yeah, the, the, the legalization of it really is just a money grab for, yes. for me, yes. for my opinion, a money grab for the States, um, uh, because it's our, it's always been there and it's just now, Hey, great. Now you're paying, you know, uh, another quarter and that goes into your state coffers. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, it's weird because, um, at the, at my time growing up, everybody when I was little was smoking right i mean everybody yeah and as and as i got older uh and so forth then that started becoming out of uh vogue and so it wasn't always cool to smoke and then they started enacting all these laws and so forth and so now smoking is kind of at a low vaping is higher and everything now but that has risen over probably the last what 10 years or so but um, you know, it's just amazing how um, younger people look at <laughs> the same age uh, because they haven't uh, subjected themselves to these things uh, for decades in their life. So I know I wasn't on topic for what you wanted, but no, I, I no. do find it really amazing. Yeah. I think one of the funniest things is that Seinfeld episode, uh, if you want to go back to Seinfeld, but uh, Seinfeld also. episode with, with Kramer playing cards and he's smoking constantly and yeah. he's like, comes out and your face looks like an old catcher's mitt you know <laughs> don't look at me
0: yeah uh, it is it's, it's strange and it this is connected to where i wanted to go which is to ask you about the life and death question that we always ask everyone because um you know you mentioned that like culture is kind of like shifting and it, it does it appears like we're getting healthier but i don't feel like we're getting healthier in a spiritual way i feel like we're getting healthier in a typical materialistic superficial way um and (laughs) so um whether or not that's good or bad as a net positive is not what i'm really getting towards so much as where do you like fit into this culture are you uh and this is where gen x would come into play they claim that gen x is like the the children of the boomers and the and the greatest generation who like shun everything and kind of get sarcastic and shut down and so you're considered to be an unspiritual unreligious generation compared to the ones before you um so are you spiritual yourself and how do you feel about spirituality hey everyone if you're a fan of the show please head over to mikeyop.com and click the subscribe button it's the best way to support us and it's free that's m-i-k-e-y-o-p-p.com thanks
1: that's a, uh, that's a good question, uh, and I would say, yes, uh, I probably exemplify a bit of the uh, sarcastic uh, nature of the Gen X that people uh, say is out there, but um, um, I don't know. That's always a tough question. I would, my answer is I would hope that there's something, um, but I'm not planning that there necessarily is something. Um, upon death I would hope that there is and I want that to be true Um, but I don't think that um, I've seen enough myself to say you know definitively that that's the case so I think I'm more spiritual in the sense of um, if this could even be called spiritual maybe that's not the definition you're looking for but it's just trying to be a good person and be fair to people and honest with people and 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 trying to be you know golden rule treat people how you want to be treated Uh, I think that's kind of where I lie on a lot of that stuff um, as opposed to um, you know always looking at a higher uh, you know a a higher being or something like that Mm -hmm. it's just to to live a fairly good life and try to to make sure that I'm uh, being a good person to everybody else and and then that will, you know, kind of be good for me, right? So it's a karma yeah. kind of situation more than, than anything.
0: Totally. Um,
1: and, and then at the end, if there is something, maybe that good karma will me somewhere, and if there's not, then there's not. So um, I, I think that's probably more the case. I've, I have had a history um, with my parents, you know, of, of being forced to go to church, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't... It, appreciate that too much, um, uh, even though I, w- I did go uh, until I got to be of an age where they weren't going to, you know, push it anymore. And then I didn't go. And, and for the most part, I haven't gone to like any kind of organized religion. I kind of have a, um, a, you know, a cynical view on organized religion as a whole, but um, uh, I don't think I don't hold that against them. I'll put it that way. Um, I think that that, again, gets down to people, um, because everything is made up of uh, individuals, and some individuals kind of have more play in systems than others, and um, so, you know, you get into those areas, and it's like, "Mm," you know, I I think I more kind of judge the people that I'm dealing with more than I judge the the, uh, systems as a whole,
0: That's a great quote. Like, I love that. And, um, kind of backpedaling just a little bit into your personal philosophy, which I loved by the way. Um, do you, uh, let me preface this with everyone has a natural fear of death. Like, like it's normal to not like walk up to a ledge and just start jumping up and down and stuff like that. But then there's like (laughs) a fear of death in a metaphysical way. And that's what this podcast is designed to help people cope with and or eliminate if possible but really just the first part that I think people should be mindful. Uh, what was the Roman saying? Like memento mori, you know, like remember that you're going to die, like live your life with that in mind in a a positive way. (laughs) Right. So so are you Mm -hmm. at all fearful of death? Does that change as you get older? Or are you just like, like I said, with the preface of, of course, you're afraid of a normal kind of like early death, but.
1: Yeah. I, I, I typically, I mean, you just never know. That's always the, um, the uh, situation. So speaking to death, I pretty much, uh, when I was younger, like say my uh, early twenties or whatever, I assumed I wouldn't make it past 30. Ah.
0: Um,
1: and there was no reason behind that. I wasn't living. I wasn't like, you know, a, a, a criminal on the run or a, a you know, high stakes uh, gambler or <laughs> drug dealer or something. I just, it, there didn't seem to be anything for me Past that point, as I thought, right. So I was just like, "Oh well, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, this is going to go on much longer." <laughs> it sounds like a really dismal take on things, but, but honestly, that that was my, that was my thought because, um, you know, I come from a a, a, a rust belt kind of town, um, and everything. You know, actually, I was just there to visit my mother. I'll tell you, I'm from Decatur, Illinois. If you've ever oh, okay. even heard of it, yeah, I have actually. Heard um, of it. Okay, so uh, the big thing in Decatur right now is Archer Daniels Midland, um, which, if you've seen any in- marketing information, they're called the supermarket to the world, right? So uh, that sounds fantastic, but the realities are that uh, Decatur, Illinois, when I was growing up, had over 110,000 people. Uh, there was several. Uh, manufacturing things and people, it was a very, you know, people were making money, even if you had a a really low end job. Uh, And now there's less than 60,000 people and all that's gone. The only thing that's left really is Archie Daniels. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's, it's really, um, you know, uh, the only thing that's left now is, uh kind of the, the dregs, right? That's what they call the rust belt because everything's just sitting there rotten. And and so I was there during the decline. So as it was going down and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna be here and it's gonna be terrible and, and so forth. But that didn't work out that way, thank goodness. Uh so I was able to do other things and and now I don't know. So now I have a bit of a different outlook on all of it. Um my my you know, if you're going to get, if it's going to be an accident or something, it's just going to happen and you're not even going to realize it. So it's too late. So now I just worry about the, uh, the being um, sending myself to an early grade because of the stupid things that I'm doing myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's always my concern as, a, you know, as opposed to the, as opposed to just driving around and getting a traffic accident or what have you. But, But uh, now I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, well, I don't know. I had my grandmother live to be 93, so go figure.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, most people who have um, people in their family who live longer think they're going to live longer. So it's really interesting to hear you say you thought you would die young. I hear that occasionally. Not often, but it is uh, always interesting to me because I always thought (laughs) like – I wish I had that thought because I would be at like a party and like people would be willing to do something I wasn't willing to do. And I'd be like, no, nah, I just think when I'm 50, I'm not going to be happy or proud of myself if I did that. And like, it has come true. Like, I was not wrong. Um, and whenever I hear about a celebrity or someone who did something dumb in their 20s and it comes up later, I'm like, you know what? there was some little bug in my head that it wasn't about being a celebrity, but just like that understood this like thing about how you get older and you want to be proud of yourself. So, um, Bob, it's been, (laughs) it's been wonderful to interview. I've loved like talking to you. I love hearing your mind. Um, people definitely know from the notes and from, uh, what I read where to find you and all that. But I do ask my guests to give one kind of message to the world before they leave. So what would you like to tell my audience?
1: Oh God. Well, uh, if you can hang in there, it gets better. So, (laughs) Uh, after I got out of my twenties, things picked up, and I—I'd I, I, say I've probably been the happiest that I've ever been in my life, uh, in my uh, in the in my later part of life. What do you want to call it? The second uh, uh, semester. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. Even if you're kind of grow up depressed or what have you, you can always everything can change. Hang in there
0: wow I absolutely love that that was uh, the most quotable quote of the interview which had a lot of quotes and I keep track as I interview because it helps me uh, in many ways so I just I'm always writing down good quotes from the guests so um, that was awesome and that's really optimistic and I think that uh, people really can use that and I actually feel the same way um, I'm actually in a second marriage I have one child from this marriage and another on the way and I love 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 my son from my other marriage but I did not love my other marriage and so I can tell people hang in there it gets better is like the best advice in the world uh, I love the second see semester of my life or whatever
1: you call it um, <laughs> so I was trying you. to figure out, uh, <laughs> the trimester is so yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> whatever it is uh, I do agree that not everyone burns brightly in their youth and loves it and that's the best period of their life and I definitely have never looked in uh, the rearview mirror with regret or with envy so um, thank you again Bob for coming on the show thank you to everyone who listens to the show at home uh, the best way to support the show I'm is to head over to, to That's a- pcom I will send you and one you email a week. It will be philosophical, it will be humorous, it will have and artwork, and it will have a podcast advertising, a but it will not be spam, it will not come more often. So please sign up and help the cause. And uh, to everyone and who loves see Coffin Talk, continue see to support us and let people know about too. it. That's uh how we grow. My name is Mike Offer. You have been listening to Coffin Talk, and we will see you soon. You are the moon